Hey everybody, I'm Eric Obremt, and you're listening to Be Authentic or Get the Fuck Out. We talk about real shit, what's on our minds, and don't give a fuck if it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. So sit back, strap in, and get ready for some real shit. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Be Authentic or Get the Fuck Out. I'm your host, Eric Obremt. Housekeeping, out of the way, share this shit. If you hear something that you like, if you hear something that you think is inspiring, if you hear something that you think could help somebody else, uh, please, I don't have sponsors, I don't take any money, so I can say whatever the fuck I want, whenever the fuck I want, so the payment that I ask for is sharing this shit. We're back here at RoofCon 2022, and we're doing another episode, and I'm, I'm excited about this episode for a couple of reasons, but one is I love doing episodes when I don't fucking know the person. I love doing episodes where I get an opportunity to talk and learn about another human and where they've come from and how they've gotten to where they are today. And today, that is with Justin Smith. Justin, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, Posey hooked us up, and uh, I was hanging out with Robert yesterday. He's like, hey, you got to meet my man Justin. He's got an amazing story. He's got a great testimony, um, some really cool. We just love telling stories here, right? Um, And figuring out a way to be able to give back to the audience so that at the end of the day, they can take something from it to implement into their lives to to be better. So I just appreciate you being here, man. Where are you from? So, currently I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, our office is here in Orlando. Okay. I'm back and forth. Office, uh, you own a... Uh, so, my business is Contractor Plus. Okay. It's an app and a CRM for contractors. Okay. Uh, we have 18,000 contractors on the platform. Okay. Uh, completely organic growth. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're not, like, roofing specific. Okay. We, uh, we're more tailored towards, like, home remodelers and handyman companies. And gotcha. But we are doing some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, one end of the market, you got Service Titan, and they 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 fulfill all of the needs of the service businesses and Job Nimbus and yep. and there's 20 of them. Yep. And on the other end of the market, you got your GCs, your master developers, your project managers. Right. And they have Procore and Builder Trend. Right. I don't know if you've ever used yep. either of those. No, it's I've like, been approached by all wow. of them, right? But, but yeah, uh, they're too much. Yeah. So, yeah. but the problem is, is all of these businesses are addressing problems within the company at the organizational within the organizational unit. Yeah. And none of these businesses are addressing the way contractors actually network and do business at large. Okay. All of these businesses and insurance integrations and HR integrations and everything we see around us have a role in that ecosystem. But when everything's siloed and they have to go to 10 different places to solve their problems and streamline their entire operation, it's just not, it's just not practical. Right. It's not cost effective. Right. So when did you start this? I started this in, I started doing the the ideation, the mock-ups, the wireframes from the confines of federal prison. Uh, on a contraband cell phone in, That's two, in 2019. Wild. Wow. Where are we at in prison? Uh, so I did time at Coleman in uh, Florida, Yazoo, Mississippi, uh, Pensacola, okay. minimum security. That's where I did the RDAP program. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The residential drug and alcohol yep. abuse treatment program. Okay. And, uh, and what fucking land did you there? Uh, in the program? No, into prison. Uh, drug trafficking. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got caught with 284 kilos. Did you? That's a I lot did. of kilos. 
it's a lot of kilos. Wow, of coke or? No, 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 no. I wouldn't be here today if yeah. Was I was coke. gonna say, motherfucker, you'd be out. You'd be dead. Like, yeah, you'd yeah, be in fucking prison a long ass time. But then again, I mean, there's good lawyers. Nah, there's, <laughs> nah, never, never trust the lawyer. So where were you running? You were just running. You're no. So actually, I was not really a drug dealer. Right. I was. I've a, had like 15 drug dealers on my show. It's hilarious. Like yeah. I'm a magnet, and I I sold drugs for a long time too. Right. Um, but like I've had so many drug dealers on my show that a, a I didn't know they were even like, and I knew the guys for like a few years, and we get on the show, and they're like, so when I was selling drugs, and I'm like. Motherfucker, you sold drugs too? Like, oh yeah, like we're friends now. That's hilarious. But sorry, you you weren't a drug dealer. You were a well, facilitator. You know, so I was a distributor. Okay. I, I was playing poker one day, and this guy slid a little packet across the table, and he said, "Hey, Justin, I need you to find out what's what they're putting on this stuff." And this stuff was Damniana and marshmallow. It's like loose leaf herbal stuff that you can smoke. It tastes terrible, but okay. The junkies that, or not necessarily the junkies, but the the police officers and firefighters and people that get drug tested that don't want to pop positive for THC, they go buy this stuff in the smoke shop so they can still get high ah. and not lose their job. Okay. So that's so that was the bread and butter for all of the smoke shops. Okay. And the guy that I was thought he's a was a friend of mine. Um, is a friend of mine. Yeah, I was just going to ask, is or was? Yeah. He is a friend of mine. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and uh, I mean, he wasn't really doing anything illegal. The, th the thing is, is like, you know, everyone refers to spice as K2. Right. But K2 is just a brand of spice. Okay. And what they were doing was taking a chemical from China called JWH18. They were putting it, they were spraying it on this legal herbal something blend, which is marshmallow and damniana or what, however you pronounce it. Yeah. And bagging it up. One gram of Pure Chem would make 10 to 15 grams of finished product, and they're selling it on the shelves at $25 a gram. Oh, shit. I get a kilo of the Pure Chem for $1,200. From where? From China. Okay, from China. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So I would send them Bitcoin. They'd send me like 100 kilos at a time, and... I couldn't. I couldn't get it fast enough. Wow! It was selling so much that uh, it was the largest synthetic analog uh, seizure in U.S. history at the really? time. Really? Yeah. Analog seizure. What's that? Yeah. Mean? So what we had at the time wasn't technically illegal. Okay. It was immoral. Right. <laughs> you know, by my by my yeah. by my values and my principles today, right. I right. don't want to be part of the problem. Right. But I had to go through that to get to this point. Yeah, of course. But uh, it so so it's it's gray area, and anybody that's in any, anybody that's done any business at all has done something in the gray. In the gray, for sure. I remember back. Maybe I shouldn't. It's past the statute of limitations. Yeah. I remember back running a real estate company, and I had my notary's notary seal. Yeah. All day. Yeah. And I, I don't think anybody's coming after you after that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's definitely yeah. illegal. Yeah. So, you know, it, so, so what happens is in other countries like China, a, a, a substance is either scheduled or it's not. Right. If it's on the schedule, don't sell it. Right. Or you'll disappear. Right. But if it's not, then you're good to go. And not only that, they'll give you like nine months to liquidate everything before they schedule it. In the U.S., 
<laughs> so in the U.S., it's like, wait a minute, this substance produces a similar like-mind altering effect. So I don't care if it's on the schedule or not. We're just going to charge them with that substance, even though that's not what it is chemically. Really? Really. So it's I learned something new today. The Federal Analog Act. Federal Analog Act. Yeah, so you got the Controlled Substances Act and you got the Federal Analog Act. The Controlled Substances Act is everything that's like Schedule 1, 2, 3, whatever. All of your scheduled substances. If something isn't controlled yet or isn't on that schedule yet, then it can be covered under the Analog well, who Act. Who the fuck defines what it is, if it is or not? Uh, so Does that, someone define that, it? I believe that happened during the Reagan administration, 1984, 1980. They implemented a, a, a system where they, 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 they review the schedule. Okay. And then they determine what needs to be added to the schedule. Now, no, but I mean for the analog. The DEA toxicology lab. Okay. So it comes back, and if, it, if they determine that it produces that similar effect, okay. then they're just like, well, whatever. For now, we'll just go ahead and charge them with what it is. Like, what is charging with marijuana? Right. And uh, when we find out what it really is, then we'll adjust. The gotcha. It. So so here, this is another really crazy thing, not to go too far into this topic. Go into it. it, it so so in the federal system, I don't know about the state system, but in the federal system, they they relate, they have what's called the marijuana equivalency, ta equivalency table. Okay. So if you get char if you get caught with cocaine, if you get caught with methamphetamine, if you get caught with heroin, if you get caught with any of the other drugs, yep. doesn't matter what it is, bef they charge you with that drug. Well, let, let me take that back. They charge you with conspiracy to possess or transact in that drug. Right. Because a conspiracy charge always sticks. Right. But, <clears throat> so, so, the... the They'll charge you. They'll charge you with with that uh, with that drug, but then they relate it to the marrow They relate it to marijuana. It it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh -uh. So they'll say, for for example, the substance that I got caught with. They tried to say uh, that one gram of what I had was equivalent to 500 grams of marijuana. Oh. But how do you come to that conclusion? Right. They don't even react in your brain the same way. It doesn't even affect your body. I don't know. Has marijuana ever killed anybody? Peace, man. I, I don't know. You know, so it's like... Yeah. <laughs> so but, so that's how the feds do it. Interesting. Regardless of what you get charged with, they related to the... Po they have some conversion. So they got you with how many kilos? They got... Well, they seized 284 kilos of methalone. Okay. Which was BKMDMA, which was synthetic molly. Ah. And so when we were producing... When we were distributing JWH-18, the most that ever happened was I got a couple letters from the FDA. The FDA sent us letters saying, season desist, stop selling this, people are misusing it. Nobody kicked in my door, nothing bad right. happened. We would just change. I would send an encrypted email through PGP to the distributor in China, and I would say, listen, we need to change this chemical to something else. They would say, give us a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks later, they'd move it one carbon molecule to the left or the right, and they would call it something else. Interesting. Now it's like AM1220 yeah, yeah, or whatever. Right. They yeah, have yeah, like a thousand yeah, 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 yeah. of them. So does the same thing up here. Well, no, it doesn't either. So, so these guys in prison, look, when we were selling this stuff on the street, as spice or whatever you want to call it, 
it really did mimic marijuana. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. it was pretty much like a weed high. Yeah. But in prison, the stuff they call spice, that is not a cannabinoid, man. Right. There's no way. Right. I, have you ever heard stories? Uh-uh. Never heard nothing about it? No, I don't think so. Okay, so it's like an epidemic in prison. They like the, the, These dudes, they go, they smoke this stuff, and then like two seconds later... They leave their mind. It's like almost like a like a tryptamine or something. It's really? like it's like they complete. This definitely not like marijuana. They lo- they lo- they completely just lose their mind. They start flopping on the floor, s- screaming, begging for Jesus. Really? I mean, oh yeah, it's bad. Wow, bad. So what'd you get? What? How, how many years did you get? I got sentenced to 151 months, 12 years, seven months. Holy shit! And what'd you do? Yeah, did six. Man. Yeah. Man, thank so wh- you, thank you, Donald Trump. That's right. all I gotta oh, say. Oh, really? Oh man, made a world of difference. So there's a few things that happened. So nine months into my sentence, um, the DEA toxicology lab got back and said that the substance that I had was less than ha- they said less than half as potent as the substance they charged me with. So when I got char- so they said that one gram of what I had was equivalent to 500 grams of marijuana, right. but now that it's less than half. They, ta- they have to take it down to at least 250. Right. Instead of 500. Right. So that would affect my sentence. You would For think, sure. You would think that would cut your sentence in half. Makes it, sense to me. It doesn't. So, <laughs> Makes sense to me. So, so they, uh, what, they ended up, what they ended up doing was taking three years, approximately three years off my sentence for that. And then I had camp points. I fell under 10 years left on my sentence, so I got to go to a camp. When I ended up at Pensacola Camp, uh, that's uh, it's on a Navy base. I worked out at Eglin Air Force Base. It was a, wasn't a bad spot. Yeah, wasn't too bad. Uh, I got to do the RDAP program. Yeah, and um, you know, I would I, I would say like I've never been at I've I've used pretty much every drug there is. Yeah, and I, I, actually I don't know if there's a drug I haven't used, but I've never been someone like. Like cocaine, for example, in college, some girls had some cocaine, and I did it, and we laughed, and then right. had fun, and I woke up with a bloody pillow the next morning, right. and like, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, and, it, and it's like, but then like, I was like, I don't want to do that. Right. So like, I've never had an addictive personality to the point where it's like, right. you know, you know what I mean? But some people do. But. In prison, they have what? Oh, in federal prison, they have the RDAP program. Okay. Stands for the Residential Drug and Alcohol Abuse Treatment Program. Yeah. And most most inmates look down on it because to be a part of that program, accountability is a big part of it. Sure. And to be accountable and to hold each other accountable, well, in prison, they would say that's snitching. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this person isn't doing what I they're supposed that. to okay. be doing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, and now yeah. he's holding me accountable, so he's snitching on me. Yep. Well, so you call it what you want to call it. It takes a year off your sentence. Right. <laughs> but that isn't the main benefit. That year was great. I mean, it gets you home to your family a year faster. Yeah. It gets you the main benefit of that program is it's really not even a drug program. When you really boil it all down, it's it's a CBT program, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Yep. And all that does is it teaches you how to correlate the active, the activating event, which is like a, the wick on the dynamite, and what happened 
you know, the, the activating event, what you thought about that activating event, and then the result of what you thought. Right. Because we go straight to our feelings. We're all uh, human beings are, are are emotional beings. Yeah. But there's there's cognitions that happen prior to those emotions that we're not we're not in tune with. Okay. So. Like we skip straight to how we feel, without thinking about the th- the thoughts that went into those feelings. Right. So the whole point of that program is really to help you connect the dot between what happened, what I thought about what happened, and then what I did as a result of what I okay. thought. Okay. Okay. Or or actually, how I felt because of what I thought, and then what I did because of how I felt. Okay. And once you can connect those dots, it's like, wow, man, all this irrational shit that I'm doing in my life, all these, all these problems that I'm having are a result of my own inaction right. or, or a result of my own unwillingness to point the finger at myself. Right. You have to, you have to, uh, you know, I had, I was, RDAP forced me to face the man in the mirror. Yep. And like, and, and really, like, honestly, look at myself and say, "Am I the problem?" Or it makes it a lot easier to solve problems and solve, you know, like find solutions to things when you figure out that you are the root cause, or at least part of it. Or at least part of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. usually, so yeah. like in an exchange, it's two people. There's more than one, but we're always focused about what the other person did. Right. Never worried about what we're doing. Or we did. Right. Yeah, but if we focus on if we focus on owning what we can own. Yeah. And whether the other person does the same or not, yep. You know, don't let that impact our emotional in, state. In, in recovery, that's called cleaning up our side of the street. Yeah, I love it. It's step that's, eight and nine. Right. Literally, like it's really funny. We talk about this a lot, and obviously, everybody listening that knows that I'm very active in recovery and, and helping people in that way. But it's funny when you come to events like this and you have conversations with people and they're doing personal growth and development stuff and blah blah blah. And I've went on tons and tons of retreats and you know all the exercises that you do when you're on retreats and everything and i sit there and i'm like nah. dr bob came up with that in 1932 that's step four right let's take it an inventory right and it's funny that like a lot of these things are built off of the different like steps of recovery as well in just owning your own shit owning right. that ev- part of every problem you're part of it as well so figure out how to own your side of it that's right and don't concern yourself with the, the the other person has to deal with themselves. Right. They might be wrong. In fact, they probably are. But but it doesn't it, matter because you, you can't, can't fix it. that. Yeah, that's right. You can't you fix can that fix shit. You. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. So so then you to, to to get to the end of that story though, where where we started was that then you started your business on a contraband phone. Tell me about that real quick for me. Yeah, so you know, I will say that's pretty cool. I will say this though, it is a contradiction. You know, I take this CBT program that teaches me rational thinking. Right. Okay. So I learn in that program clearly. If you get caught with a cell phone, you're getting kicked out. Makes sense. And going back to a higher security prison. Yep. It's a big no-no, and they would teach you. Okay, this is a clear-cut rule. Yeah. Don't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't do it. While I was in the program, I didn't have a phone. Right. But as soon as I got out of the program, I got that year off my sentence. I started working off base. I got a phone. Right. And uh, I got a phone because I had a little SEO company that was still making money. And I needed to have more. I I got power of attorney for my girlfriend at the time. Um, 
God bless her soul and my mother, and they kind of handled everything, spent most of my money, but... <laughs> But but you know what? I never had to ask anybody for anything. Right. And I was always provided for because right. of that. But long story short, I needed to be able to facilitate things in the business. Yeah. It was against it was against the rules. Right. And I guess if I was truly following what I'd learned in RDAP to a T, I shouldn't have done it. But I also know that the system, re-entry in the system, is a joke. Right. And they pay these people sixty-five, eighty-five, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars a year as a re-entry coordinator, and they do absolutely jack shit. Right. They don't do anything for you. Right. And so you were going to figure out your own re-entry. Well, I knew that. Look, I'm not coming out to nothing. Right. I'm not coming out being a burden on my family. Right. I'm not coming out not being able to provide for myself or to be able to facilitate the lifestyle that I want for myself and my family. Right. You know, at the time, I went into prison at 27 years old. I'm 36 now. I lost some pretty important years. Yeah, a lot of time. I have no kids. I have no wife. Right. I have no nothing. Right. I lost all those years. Yeah. And, but no one's to blame for that but me. Right. I knew what I was doing was wrong. Right. I knew it wasn't technically illegal. Right. But I knew it was gray area and I knew it could get me into trouble. Yeah. And I kept doing it. Right. Because it's hard. When you walk in a building with a duffel bag and you walk out with that same bag full of money, right? you tell yourself you're only going to do it long enough to get what you need to fund other legitimate things. And you tell you, yeah, we create these irrational yeah. justifications, yep. but the reality is, is I don't know if you've ever seen a duffel bag full of money, $2.4 million, right? but it's it's hard. It's really hard to say I'm never going to do that again. Yeah, like, ah, no more of that for me, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's a hard no. It's tough. Yeah, that's a hard no. It's so you really got the tough. contraband phone, and who'd you call? So, who'd you start calling? Well, so it wasn't. I did call, but most of what I was doing was. I was hiring freelancers. Okay. I was hiring designers. Got it. Uh, my CTO. So you were you were you were basically you were building the business. Oh yeah. On if you that look, phone. I got released in prison. I got released from phys prison uh, December 2020. And how were you paying them? I read with your people out helping facilitate the payments or. Well, I still had money coming in from Serpify. You still had money coming so, in from there, so you're able to use yes, that to facilitate. Serpify was making me almost my entire bid. I was bringing in like seventy five hundred dollars a month. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. it wasn't bad money. No, so you had money to play with. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Well, I did. Yeah, I yeah. had money to eat. The most you can spend on a commissary is three hundred bucks. Right. So the rest of that, I paid my workers, and then we reinvested to start building something. Yeah. Now, long story short, yeah. so I grew up. My mom's a contractor. Okay. So I grew up swinging a hammer with her. Okay. And then when I started the the real estate company uh, and the property management company, we here in Orlando actually, we scaled to 800, 800 doors under management. So I said, we need to stop subbing out all this work. Right. We need to hire our own maintenance team. Okay. So we hired a couple dozen people. Um, there was a lot of double data entry. Like our foreman would go out and do the estimates, bring them back. We'd have to type them up in QuickBooks. Yep. We'd have to attach files. Yep. It was just yep. there were so many things yep. that could be streamlined. So I made this little app called Handyman Estimator. We just used it internally, and so 
so uh, that kind of got put on the back burner, but I realized there's so many people that could benefit from that, that one feature alone. And no other estimator on the market was letting you add per line item before photos. Right. So, like, so you can send, see, the thing is with remote real estate investors, they never step foot inside of their properties. They, they may own a thousand doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll never see them. Right. I've got a couple I've never seen. Exactly. Yep. So, it's really important that they can, that they have full accountability. When yep. someone else is managing everything, they know they can yep. trust them. Yep. So, that's where it stemmed from. Now, I realized there was a market opportunity to address the way contractors work at the network level and not just inside the organizational unit. Right. Meaning how they send work to one another. Right. How they collaborate on projects. How they streamline their compliance and onboarding and hiring. Yeah. And... Um, there's, there's, if you can solve all of these problems in one ecosystem yeah. at a price point that's not cost prohibitive. Right. Because some of the software is ridiculous. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. $300 yeah. a seat per month. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. That's, re- that's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So yeah. uh, I realized there was a huge market opportunity. I mean, we're right now the field service management market is at like $5 billion. It's growing at a compounded gr- annual growth rate of of uh, uh, 19%. Yep. And so that puts us at a $30 billion valuation in the next 10 years. Yeah. So it's fantastic. And then and then the construction software market, like the Procore and Builder Trend, they are at uh, they're like they're 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 at like 10 a 10 billion dollar market and it's growing at 8%. So if you put those two things together, you're looking at a $45 billion market opportunity Yeah. by 2030. Right. Let's go. And no one has actually solved the way that whole right. network works. That's Absolutely. called viral network effects. Yep. When you it. solve that, it's over. That's awesome. The name of the company one more time? Contractor Plus. Contractor Plus. All right. Hey, I apologize. We got to wrap this up, though. It's all good, man. I have had an amazing time getting to know you. I hope that we get to spend a little bit more time together or sure. connect offline or whatever. And I want to get to know more about your business and what you do. Um, and I love your story. Uh, I love the initiative. I think if there's anything that people can take out of this, it's uh, it doesn't matter your fucking circumstances, right? You can find a way. You can find a way through it and figure out how to be successful. And you don't have to have your circumstances dictate uh, what your outcome is going to Amen, be. Amen, right? Amen, so, brother. Justin, thank you very much for being and, here. And that's my personal brand, Justin on success. Justin on success. My, my saying is there's no time like now. Love Stop it. talking about doing it and just do it because Love no that. one's going to do it. But Love that. How do people find you on social? Justin, Justin on, su- on success. Justin on success. All right. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. If you heard something that you liked and you think somebody else should listen to it, please share this shit. And remember, everybody, be authentic or get the fuck out. Authentic. Get the fuck out if you can't be authentic. Get the fuck out if you can't be authentic. Uh. Yeah. Swipe.